630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. McDavid centers one timer score. Oscar Clefbaum and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time it's Clefbaum. He'll swing it out to the outside and it is to the end zone. Touchdown Eskimos. Darrell Walker. Touchdown, and the Eskimos take the lead with less than a minute to go. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Hey, good to talk to you tonight. In a few minutes, we'll be joined live in studio by the commissioner of the Canadian Football League, a former Edmonton Eskimo himself, Randy Ambrosi, of course, the Grey Cup in Edmonton this November. Tickets will go on sale to the public at 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, so we'll touch on that. Some uh, other league news and issues with the commissioner as well. Of course, Johnny Manziel, now a CFLer with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Are they ever going to the Maritimes? Are they ever going to Halifax? Uh, and I have had some of your questions on my Twitter account. You can also text 630-630 if you have a question or a comment for Randy Ambrosi as we roll along tonight. There is a CFL preseason game on the field, Montreal and Ottawa. Ottawa just got a two-point convert. They're up 8-6 on the Alouettes. Two minutes left in the first quarter. Eskimos at Winnipeg tomorrow. Several big-name Eskimos will not play as it's their second and final preseason game. Morley Scott in Winnipeg will set up the game for us a little bit later on as we'll have a 5 o'clock countdown to kick off tomorrow and then the game coming up at 6.30. Game 1 of the NBA playoffs tonight. That's about an hour away. Once again, Golden State up against Cleveland. The Edmonton Prospects at Remax Field open their season this evening. They're going to be taking on Lethbridge at 7 o'clock. All right, my name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Again, you can text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063. So we have the Eskimos game tomorrow. We'll have another uh, Stanley Cup final game for you live on Saturday at 6. That series now tied 1-1 as Braden Holtby making a legendary save last night with just under two minutes to go. Great chance for Alex Tuck to tie it for the... Interesting how things go. Game one, Lars Eller all alone in front for the Capitals, gets the pass coming in, can't quite connect on it, goes off his stick and goes wide. That would have tied the game. Capitals miss an open net. Vegas wins. And then last night, Vegas with a golden opportunity to tie it. And Holtby, desperation, getting the paddle down to make the save. And uh, look, even if they don't win the series, given that this happened in a Stanley Cup final game, late in a game, it's got to be remembered as one of the greatest saves of all time. And a pucked up Dan Holtby watching a bad bounce out of the corner and a shot and a save made by Braden Holtby. Oh, my! As Alex Tuck was robbed on a puck that came bouncing out of the corner and Washington by a whisker. Still on top with 159 to go. My goodness, Braden Holtby. John Walton, the call from the Capitals radio network. And I know I've, I've seen the comparisons, heard the chatter all day, the comparisons to this one. Rebound! Oh, Curtis Joseph just made a harrowing save off of down Joe Newland. 
Mike. How did he make that save? Yes, uh, Curtis Joseph, Game 7, overtime, 1997, Edmonton against Dallas. And a few moments later, uh, of course, Todd Marchant scored the series-winning goal as the Oilers finished off that upset of the Dallas Stars. I I don't know which one was better. One's Game 7 overtime, one's in a Stanley Cup final. They were both uh, unlikely saves. I mean, when you saw, and I realize some of you aren't old enough necessarily to remember the Neuendijk save. You've probably seen it on YouTube, or your mom or dad has a VHS tape of the game kicking around. (laughs) But in both cases, you see the player shooting at the puck, and in that split second, you think, goal. And then all of a sudden you realize the puck isn't in the net. Spectacular stuff. Okay, some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with Southern Classics and other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com. I believe he is making his way up the stairs to our studio, CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi, when we get back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Well, this studio has much more in it than usual. First of all, people, which I'll get to as we move along through the remaining uh, hour or the remaining of the first hour of the show. And also a pretty special object just a couple feet away from me, the Grey Cup itself is uh, in studio, which is pretty cool. I have never actually been this close to it. I don't, I don't even know if I've been in the same building as it before. I, I, I want to look at it and go back. Like I'd, I'd love to read the names from the 1925 Ottawa Senators, but I'll have to, I'll have to do that during the break. But it's uh, pretty cool. Obviously, the Grey Cup is in Edmonton this year. Tickets are going to go on sale to the public at 2 p.m. tomorrow, so don't forget to go to ticketmaster.ca, or you can go to Commonwealth, and I, I'm actually going to be down at Commonwealth uh, Stadium tomorrow for a special event and letting you know what's going on, but uh, you, you can go to Commonwealth. Here, here's something old-fashioned and, and physically buy tickets in person you don't have to use the internet but we'll get more on that as, as we move along uh randy ambrosi's in studio the commissioner of the cfl randy good to see you yeah it's great to be here thank you 1993 your name's on this it is with the as with the edmonton eskimos does yeah. it ever get old being called the great cup champion no you know what and i um you know i've got a my ring i wear twice a year and i and i've done this now like literally from the time we want it and I can put that ring on and be immediately transported back in time. I can literally tear the fabric of the time-space continuum and feel the same way I felt the day we were given those rings in the spring of, uh, of uh, you know, 1994. You know, just how great it was to feel that, that accomplishment of a, of a lifetime dream. And so, no, when I'm in the room with this cup, I always try to turn the cup a little bit as people are looking at it to where my name is. But uh, it feels special. What do you remember most about that game? I think what Fleming had, Sean Fleming had six field goals in that game. You guys had upset Calgary to to get there. You know, honestly, uh, there's a few things that stand out uh, and, and always have. One was... I went into the game more or less knowing it would be my last game. You know, I was, uh, was going to have another knee surgery that off season, and I just uh, kind of felt that it was time. And, and the emotions I felt going into the game, and in fact, uh, the national anthem, and then the Jets flew over, and I started to cry. Like, I had tears in my eyes because I was just feeling overwhelmed by the moment. And then, you know, as the game went on, and then there was a time where I knew we had won it. You know, you could just feel it, and I remember that feeling. So, But the best thing of all that I remember was sitting in my locker after. I literally didn't want to get my stuff off, and Ron Lancaster came over. The locker room was quiet. Almost everyone was gone. 
And he came over and just sat with me and we just talked. And I'll, I'll literally never forget it. What it was like just to sit with Coach Ron and take in that kind of moment knowing that we had done something together that uh, was going to be part of my life, uh, you know, forever. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know a lot of f- fans listening still still remember that game. Uh, I remember that game. I mentioned Fleming was uh, connecting on everything. And was was that the Sally Rand year? Alan to Sandusky on the that rollout yeah, play. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, I think yeah. it worked in the West Final, yeah, and then you kept right. going against yeah. Winnipeg in the Grey Cup. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Randy Ambrose again, studio, the commissioner of the CFL. A uh, lot to talk about this hour. I thanks a lot for coming in. First of all, I know it's busy, and 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 you're in Edmonton. You got a breakfast tomorrow. That's right. Yeah, the well, chamber, I mean, not just cha- yeah. yeah, chamber of commerce breakfast, and we're gonna do a you know little state of the union. Uh, update. We're going to talk about Grey Cup and and then of course all of that leading into the launch of uh, launch of the, the the ticket selling. This uh, this city has done ticket selling for Grey Cup unlike anything other. They've set the record. They sold out in six days in 2010. I hear from Dwayne and from Len and from Brad Sparrow they're planning on breaking the record this year. So if you're out there and you're thinking of going to the game, I, I'd suggest you get your tickets fast. Well, I'm going to bring Dwayne in a little bit later on, who's who's running the whole Grey Cup festival so so that'll be fun uh you know randy it's great to have you because we've we've talked before but i get to talk to you in person but a a few things you know i made some notes i got some texts from 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 listeners and and people saying so i'll try to cover as many bases as we can as people are passionate about the league and here's their chance to through me ask you something directly uh i'll I'll start here with some big news in the last couple of weeks johnny manzel is now a cfler long speculated and uh, now he's the Hamilton Tiger Cats uh, have him in training camp. Just tell me a little bit what you, you hope we're saying about Johnny Manziel at, at the end of the season and your comfort level now he's under contract. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's the same thing I want for all the players. You know, I want them to have a great season. And, I, you know, like I, I've, I've walked a mile in their moccasins. I know how tough training camps are and, you know, the seasons are long and what I want for him and what I want for all of our players is to have a, a great, healthy season where they reach their full potential. You know, you'd love every athlete, every athlete, you know, whether it's football or any other sport, you'd, you'd like them to reach uh, the pinnacle of their, of their, you know, the, of their own abilities. And I'd hope that for him. Um, you know, look. I hope it works out. I really do because he's a he's a young man of of incredible skill, and I'd like for this to be a success for him and and a success for the Canadian Football League and and the community of Hamilton because you know that's another important part of of playing in our league is you you have to be part of these great communities. Uh, I mean, and maybe I understand maybe. You can't disclose this, but have you met him, or how would you characterize your conversations with him? Yeah, you know, I did. I um, I had a chance as part of the process to to sit with him. Look, I I thought it was a great conversation. I know I wanted I wanted Johnny to know that we were serious about the you know the standards we want to have for our players and and uh, you know what we would expect of him if he came into the CFL. It, did, it didn't seem that there would be anything to accomplish by hiding from that. Um, and uh, you know, as a result, you know we have we have put uh, we have put in place some some clear standards that he will have to meet. And and I think it's no less than what we should do as uh, as it relates to you know the things that have happened uh, in his in his life. But then I say beyond all of that, come on, come up here and play football and and. Uh, 
and play to the best of your ability. And if that all comes together, hopefully this is one of those times where we will just have a great success and something to be really proud of. CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosian Studio. Okay, I got a message earlier today from a listener. He, he, I know this guy. He doesn't he doesn't write in very often, but, he, but when he does, he's usually passionate and sharp. But I'll paraphrase his question. Barhead Bill is his handle. Uh he wanted to know, could the Grey Cup and Vanier Cup ever be together on the same weekend in the same city? It, it has happened in the past a few yeah. times. Are you interested in that? Could it happen soon? Where are we at? Yeah, you know, it is a, it's a great question. And I think to a degree, it now um, at some level connects to this question of our own season shift. And are right. we going to do it? Because obviously for the, you know, for... Um, the Canadian universities, they they would have a hard time um, reaching the, they'd have a hard time reaching their Vanier Cup championship as early as we are thinking about reaching our Grey Cup championship. Right. So, so, you know, that's one of the things that fans, uh, look, I total high, high marks to Len Rhodes. He started this conversation with the with the league around a, a season shift, I think we're we're not th- we're not thinking of a season shift as dramatically as we might have in those early days of this conversation. But a couple of weeks that might see us start the season on June the first, and then you know potentially run our Grey Cup through that second weekend, first or second weekend, depending if we have two or three buys. Is a is a very interesting is a very interesting possibility, and frankly, seventy five to eighty percent of all the fans this winter, uh, I did ten cities. I asked the question in every city. I would say seventy five eighty percent of the fans are adamant that they would like us see us make this make this change. So I want to figure that out first before I try to align ourselves with the Vanier Cup. Because if we if we end up with this shift. And there's there's a lot of things we have to consult with TSN, our broadcast partner. We have to you know we have to make sure we dot our eyes and cross our t's. Right. But it would be unfair to make a bold move to partner with the Vanier Cup only to say, oh by the way, now you get now now we're leaving. Now, yeah. now we're leaving. So so I think we got to get uh, this decided first. Okay, I have to read this. And you mentioned a lot of fans were adamant or passionate about it, but I, I got to read the text. Jeff says I like the schedule the way it is. Great Cup in the end of November, uh, two rust for the preseason. Uh, the late season weather etc i'm a 30-year season ticket holder please tell the commissioner don't alter the schedule so jeff wanted to give you that feedback okay jeff thank you very much you want i know you want to hear that because the more more information you have the better no in fact you know what read what's been great and this is why i think we aspire to be the most fan-centric league in the world and i would say you know when i'm thinking about this season one of the greatest things i get to do is go be in stadiums and i get to walk the concourse i get to visit with fans because the the feedback is an invaluable part of the decision making process so please to all of you out there who have strong views one way or the other you should stop me somewhere whether it's on the street in a stadium or in an airport and say hey here you know randy here's what i here's what i think it's valuable for me as I think about how I help the league make the right decision. You mentioned you stopped in 10 cities. There are nine teams in the CFL. So, I mean, you get, I get asked this a lot, and I've asked you it before, so I'm going to do it again. Halifax, Atlanta, Canada, the possibility of a team. Um, I mean, I'd love to ask you to put it on a scale of 1 to 10, how realistic it is. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if you'd give me that, that specific answer. Where are we with, with an Atlantic team? Yeah. You know, it it starts with a really strong group that are that are uh, 
uh, advancing this project, this potential ownership group, are three remarkable men, and I've been I've gotten to know them better, and I've been enjoying working with them and talking with them. They are talking to the you know to the city of Halifax, to town council, Mayor Savage, and the and the city council, and that has been very positive. I think they have been informed by what uh, Ottawa Sports and Entertainment did in Ottawa. There's a model there around how to make this all work, and part of it is not just building a stadium, but building a development around the stadium, because it actually has created a whole different vibe in Ottawa, and so that's been an important consideration. They're talking to the provincial government. That's been positive. But beyond that, we're talking to the other to the other provinces, and... Um, and because that's an important part of their of their plan, if this is to happen, this cannot be a, a team that belongs to the city of Halifax. It has to be a team that belongs to the entire region. Right. So you know, I sit here today. You know, I if wishing could make it so, uh, that would be great. But but it would, they're doing the right things, and boy, wouldn't it be great? It's like it's like this is that. Building that national railway, and it's not finished until it's finished, right? The CFL can't be complete until we're coast to coast. So imagine this. Imagine uh, imagine a Labor Day weekend where you've got Edmonton and Calgary, classic battle. You've got Winnipeg playing Saskatchewan, classic battle. Toronto playing Hamilton, classic battle. So then you have Montreal play, uh, Montreal play Ottawa. Let's call that Upper Canada versus Lower Canada. <laughs> and then let's have the coasts playing against one another. Now, listen, you would pray for rain so you could literally stay on your couch and watch <laughs> CFL football the entire weekend. And when you think of it that way, you feel, wow, that would be a way for us to take this league to the next level. You'd probably play 12 of your 18 games in conference you'd have a lot of inter-rival yep. inter inter-conference rivalry it would really bring this east versus west it would focus that two t two five team divisions that'd be cool but all of that said you still got to do the work and i owe it to our governors to be thoughtful and methodical every step in the way so i'm an optimist i want to i want to do the right thing and grow the league but uh, but I'm going to try to make sure that I don't miss a step in the process. Randy Ambrosi, CFL Commissioner, is in studio. We're going to bring in Dwayne Vanot, the Executive Director of the Grey Cup Festival, Inside Sports on Chad, back after the news. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. So tomorrow in this time slot, preseason football, Eskimos at Bombers. We're actually going to start with the countdown to kickoff at 5, then the game starts at 6.30. Morley Scott and Dave Campbell will have the call. Morley in Winnipeg will join us at 7.30. Saturday at 6, we have Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final. My name is Reed Wilkins in studio tonight with CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. You've been hearing from him. Dwayne Vineau is also here, Executive Director of the 2018 Grey Cup Festival. Dwayne, good to see you again. Good to see you, Reed. Thanks for having us. You love doing this great tough stuff, eh? Well, yeah, yeah. It's uh, been a few. Yeah, having fun at it. Uh, so tickets. Uh, so what? What? Take me through this. We've had the season seat holders have already had a shot. Yes. And now tomorrow, basically, it's it's wide open. Yeah. So yeah, it's wide open tomorrow too. But we've, uh, you know, our season seat holders from the Eskimos have had a uh, opportunity to buy their tickets. You know, all sort of the renewal period all winter long, and and they were also had an opportunity to buy some additional tickets as well. And then we've had some partners. And we did this, uh, all the, you know, across the league, all the season seat holders. And you're right. Then as of 2 o'clock tomorrow, it all sort of goes wide open. And, and uh, you know, we're just hoping for the best. All right. Uh, Randy was mentioning 
what, 2010 has the record? for yeah. a six-day sellout. Yeah, and prior to that, um, you know, uh, the, the previous record that we know of was Labor Day, and so uh, that record's sort of still there, so we're trying to trying to break our own record. Okay, so you're hoping first week of June. How yeah. many, how, what does Commonwealth hold now, what, 55? Yeah, 55 and change, so we're roughly about 6,000 tickets, a little bit lighter than we were before with the change of the seats. Okay. Yeah, so there's a little bit less inventory, and um, uh, but those, as you know, those seats were put in after last Grey Cup, and they're, they're great. So how many, are, are you at liberty to tell me how many have already been spoken for and how many are available? Yeah, you know, we, we've done well. We're tracking very similar. I don't want to, you know, talk about exact numbers, but okay. we're, we're, we're in a very similar situation that we were in 2010. So going into the on sale of June 1st versus back in where we were in 10, we're very, very similar. So um, if things sort of repeat itself like it was before, it, it sh- we should have a very good success rate. Okay, and, and this is great because fans from all over the country are going to buy as well. So you get a, people got to make sure they get in there ASAP. Yeah, and you know we we make sure that even though you're you know you have you you pre-sell some tickets through these partnerships and our season seat holders etc. When we open the, the the gates tomorrow, if you will, there's there's tickets in all price levels. There's uh, availability. There's there's availability for everyone, no matter where you are, to get good seats tomorrow. All right. So two o'clock tomorrow. I know somebody asked earlier uh, where they go on Ticketmaster.ca. People can physically go to Commonwealth because there's going to be some fun stuff going on there as well. Yeah, so tomorrow at two o'clock, and you're going to be there. Yep. But from noon till uh, noon till four, we're going to have some, you know, some remotes, and the cup will be there. You can come take a picture with the cup, and you know, we'll have some hot dogs and pops, and just uh, some cheer team, just having some fun. We're trying to get a little bit of an old school maybe lineup going, like like the old days, and and have some fun with it. And this is all on the uh, the west side. Yeah, near, the main rec center side. Main rec center the main, side. Okay center side yeah okay Dwayne what's the most I don't know if, if fun is the right word I mean I've known you a while you're always very engaged and energetic with what you're doing so maybe fun is the right word what's the what's the funnest most fun about this job for you you know I, I I'm a bit of a builder so I, I I like the idea that each year the Grey Cup no matter which city it's in you know there's certain uh, um, you know things that ha- always happen every year there's always the awards there's always the team parties there's all these sort of pillars that the CFL and the local hosts do, but then you have that opportunity to put your own spin on it, and that's great for each market to do things like the zip line that we've had right. in the past, and and we're doing a lot of other things, you know, around that. I don't know if you've heard, but we've, we we're doing a we're building a ski hill on Jasper Avenue, we're building a tube slide, we're building a bungee jump along with this zip line. So we're the ability to you know to take that festival to the next level and see where we can go with it and we had great success the last time around we had a, you know 500,000 people attend our our festival in 2010 so we want to try to beat that number and just have everybody you know across the country come here and be very proud of the the event and the game itself and the festival and then local Edmontonians to say hey we did this you know this was a uh, this is something that we did for the league and and really showcase our our pride I I gotta ask you because somebody has texted and there's a very well-known phone number in this city since before Randy was playing for the Eskimos in the early 90s. 780, well, that wouldn't have been the area code, but 780-448-ESKS. Somebody was saying, can I get tickets by calling the Eskimos office? You, you, I, we told you, we're going old school tomorrow. So <laughs> the 448-ESKS will be up and running, and um, Ticketmaster is obviously probably the best, but if, uh, and then, you know, come for a lineup. So that, and that line is still going, 448-ESKS. All right. Dwayne Vino is the uh, executive director of the Grey Cup Festival, so tomorrow at 2. 
two tickets go on sale to the general public. Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner of the CFL, is uh, with us uh, as well. Uh, A couple questions here, just Randy, about potentially moving the season earlier. And a couple people on the text line are saying, okay, you might get better weather for the for the Grey Cup, um, but you tend to get more more people at the gate Labor Day and onward. So is, is that a concern? How do you balance that? Yeah, I actually think that one of the things we've looked at is that we start to see a drop-off in attendance in our late-season games. So while you get a you get a, a build-up of attendance in September and early October, what we have seen is that, particularly in the West, we start to see, you know, from about the October 15th onward, if the if the games don't mean as much, you know, if if their you know playoff positioning is already in place, you start to see that fan, those cold you know those cold nights in particular, yep. uh, you you see a drop off in attendance. So we are looking at those things very carefully. I think again, if you could if you could um, you know have the games from September onward played under much better conditions so you know you think about how beautiful it is here in September and and into early October you'd probably we feel that we'd probably have a better chance to to not see that drop off in attendance for those late season games so all of these things are factors that we're looking at trying to lead ourselves to to making the right decision all right I, I have to ask this because I've I've hammered on it on this show so now I get a chance to ask you directly uh, I don't. I I don't like the playoff format. I'd prefer to see just one team with no divisions, especially if you have nine. I might be more open to it if you do get to ten. Uh, we've had had Eastern teams with a first round bye who weren't in the top four in the CFL the last couple of years. Could you ever entertain this that we just have a nine-team league, top two get a bye? It doesn't guarantee the an East-West Great Cup. Yeah, you know, Reed. I think in all of this. The best thing we can do for the game and for our fans is to have an open mind. Like I, I, I think that's one of the things that I'm trying to do is not look. I've said it a lot. In fact, I think I said it to you. Like I have a natural bias to the East versus yeah. West because look, I grew up selling uh, those Great Cup pool tickets, um, you know, to raise money for you know our hockey team or soccer team, and you know East versus West, right? That's what you sold. You didn't. I have that bias because that's how I grew up enjoying the game. But I'm not, I don't think I should be obstinate. I don't think our fans want me to be rigid. I think they want me to constantly be thinking about how to make the game bigger and stronger and how to make our league better. So that's why I'm going to approach it. Right now, with the possibility that we could expand to 10 teams, I think it would lay out then perfectly for the, for the two, you know, to, to maintain the two East, you know, yep. two divisions, East versus West. So I think we should let this unfold a little bit and keep listening to the fans, keep listening to input uh, from from guys like yourself and others who want to weigh in on it and just let this thing evolve and see where it takes us. Okay, that's fair. And I guess, you know, like I said, if Halifax entered, that could that could change the dynamics for sure. All right, I'm going to throw one at you. And as far as now, I, I, hear, I said I hear a lot about the playoff format. As far as I know, I'm the only person with this crazy idea. Because there's money involved, and that always makes things complicated. You've been a big proponent of, of player safety, as, as you should be. Uh, you've added the... Th- I know not just you, but you're heavily involved in it, obviously. You've added a third bye week this year. Randy, it seems to me players would be really safer if they played a couple fewer games. 
Could you ever go to a 16-game schedule, which is what it used to be for a long time, and still make uh, the like the revenue work and the TV contract happy? You know, you take you take a couple. That's the way to shorten the season, right? Maybe have the Great Cup earlier too. Yeah, you know. Look, Reed, it's a great question, and it is. And the thing is, look at every league. Like you can, you know, you people ask, why do they play so many games in baseball, sure. and why do they play so many games in hockey, and why do they play so many games in basketball? And at the end of the day, in order to make the economics worth, you you've got to have enough games. And you know, our broadcast partner wants to have more games because we've got a we've got an audience of fans that want to see more games. Look, I think if we look at it more as an amalgam of a whole bunch of things. So how do we make sure that our players are getting the proper rest between games? Uh, I was I was I was unhappy with the idea of our players in the my in my first my first uh, exposure was watching Ottawa playing, you know, three games in I think what was it 11 days, 14 days. Oh, and then you, they had the big break yeah, at the end last year. Yeah, you cannot you cannot ask professional athletes to do that. That's not fair and I don't think that's safe. Right. So this is a way of this is a way of arresting that problem or at least reducing significantly reducing that problem. So I I think it on an issue like this, what we have to do is look to see if we can solve the problem in other ways. And if we can, great. Let's play our 18-game schedule. If it turns out that that's not possible, then we have to look for, for other solutions. Because what I know from talking to our fans, they want to see our best players playing. They they want to you know they want to see the guys who are their their heroes and their children's heroes on the field and playing. And so, the more things we do to make sure that our players are getting properly rested, and ultimately keeping our you know our stars out there entertaining the fans, that's going to be great for our game. Okay, uh, Randy and Dwayne. I, I'm going to spend a little more time with you. Can, can, we got to take a break. We got to get the cupkeeper in here. Yeah, like we're we're allowed to talk. Yeah, to him. no, Jeff. He's McClane. not in media silence. No, he's no. not. And like uh, the great cup sitting two feet away from me, and the guy who gets to look after it all day is here. So we yeah, gotta, we no, got to interview and, him. And Jeff, here's the thing, or read. Here's the thing. Jeff is probably the of the three of us. He's probably the most interesting guy. <laughs> so I think I think spending too much time <laughs> with us is just a bad deal. It, it's funny because uh, somebody says a uh, high read asked Randy if he'd consider running for prime minister. So somebody thinks you're pretty interesting. Yeah, <laughs> my talk, I, hey Barb, thank you for writing. That. <laughs> Barb's his wife. Yeah. Inside Sports, Commissioner Randy Ambrosi, Grey Cup, Dwayne Vino from the Grey Cup Festival, and Jeff McQuinney, the Cup Keeper, coming up. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. There is a CFL preseason game on the tube. Ottawa leading Montreal 14-6. Minute and a half left in the second quarter. Eskimos at Winnipeg tomorrow. We'll tee it up for you with Morley Scott a little bit later on. Great first hour here. Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner of the CFL, is in studio. Dwayne Vino, the executive director of the 2018 Grey Cup Festival, has given up his seat so we could bring in Jeff McQuinney. Now, Jeff, I'm calling you the cup keeper. Sure. But your official title would be uh, trustee. We're, trustee we're of the Great Cup. Certainly. Okay. Now, I got to ask you, because that's a pretty cool job. How do you possibly get that job? You know, <laughs> you, uh, you have to have a love affair for this game. And I had that right from, you know, 1976. I do a Great Cup uh, uh, in the River East School Division in Winnipeg. I do a, 
a science fair project on Grey Cup. And I stumped all the trustees at that point that were asking me questions. And, it, and of course, my dad being on this, this cup, he gave me some good stumpers. And uh, those stuck, and I won, and uh, I did pretty well in the, the uh, science fair. And here I am. <laughs> now, Eskimos fans, especially some of our more seasoned listeners, sure. are going to love this. Who is your dad? Who did he win the cup with? <laughs> with the first, the first team in 1954, the first ever forever was the 54, 55, 56 boys. Jackie Parker, Normie Kwong, uh, Ray Wilsey. You know, we, we, we can go on and on. Mr. Miles, Roland Miles, Rolly Miles. Um, that team was uh, an unbelievable team. My dad's Glenn Keeper McQuinney, and my dad's uh, his designation keeper, which I'm honored to have a similar designation, was his first play. The first, his first play of a professional career was a touchdown off a, a keeper play. Wow, that's yeah. not bad. Pretty cool. So your dad, your dad's name is on the cup. Uh, you're now the trustee of the cup. When you first, how long have you been doing this? I've been. Uh, it's actually. Uh, I came in April fourteenth, two thousand fourteen. It was three years to the day uh, my dad passed away. Okay. Yeah. So as you travel across the country, two events like today, and you're going to be at the breakfast tomorrow. Yeah. And I guess you're sticking around in the afternoon for our, 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 our uh, yeah, position at Commonwealth. I'm not going home until everyone's seen the cup. I mean, what, what's what's a memorable... St- I, I don't know if you have a great story about someone seeing it or, or just the reaction when maybe someone younger sees it. Or You know, I can go uh, on, on two occasions, two very memorable occasions for me. It was um, last year in Calgary, uh, Arnie Charbonneau, who was a 1940 Great Cup champion and a war hero. Uh, he's on the Ottawa Rough Riders that played two games, by the way, two Grey Cup games back-to-back because it was best two, uh, in 1940. It was, a, it was a rule challenge where they still played the ORFU, and that was two-game total points. Arnie Charbonneau uh, passed away, and his wife had never seen the Grey Cup in, in, this, in its formal way now uh, that Doug Mitchell gave us. Well, we showed up the Char- uh, with Mrs. Charbonneau on Mother's Day and presented her the Cup because she had never seen the Cup after 1940. She's uh, visually impaired. She has no sight. And I asked her to take her hand, and I rubbed it across the etching, which is given to us by Reverend MacDonald, uh, the 12 letters there that are up on the, on the chalice. And the final one is Canada. Then we moved her hand down to the 1940 and let her feel her Charbonneau. So that was pretty, uh, pretty emotional, and it was satisfying to be able to take care of our, our veterans and also uh, to satisfy someone that was a support while he was fighting for our country and our freedoms to allow us to do this today. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, for me it was. Yeah. Jeff McQuinney joining us, uh, the uh, trustee of the Great Cup, which is sitting here three feet away from me on the desk. Commissioner Randy Ambrosi is here as well. Your name's on it for uh, 1993. You mentioned how you still like to go uh, find it and point it out every once in a while. Jeff, on a that was a great emotional story. Thank you. Mm. On a lighter note, I have to do this. Sometimes trophies are presented to teams mm-hmm. we like to celebrate with those trophies true they may not be returned in the same condition as to which you gave gave them to the team yeah, that is exactly true <laughs> and you know and I'll give you the same answer uh, that I we have record books Stephen Brunt has done uh, a wonderful story on the hundred years of the Grey Cup and if you take a look at all the different records it was, a, I think it's a 112-page uh, book by Stephen Brunt, one of our great sports writers. Loved to talk about his stories. 
not one of them has how many things it's how many times it's been broken. So to me, it's not a CFL record, so I can't discuss it. You can't, you can't discuss it. Hey, that's fair. That is fair. Okay, so tomorrow, uh, noon to four, outside Commonwealth Stadium on the west side by the entrance of the rec center, you're going to be there. Cup's going to be there, and people are welcome mm-hmm. to. Now, are there any rules about touching it, lifting it, if you're not a CFL player or a champion? Sure, I'll, I'll tell you exactly how the protocols go. We, I would, I'm sitting beside a 1993 champion, and uh, proud to say who he is. Uh, our commissioner um, he holds uh, the 93 which is my dad's number 93 so I'm a numbers guy mm-hmm. so out of respect for 3,743 players to date from Dateline 1909 to Dateline 2017 we'll engage as many f- fans to touch that base that was given to us in 1987 which the Edmonton Eskimos by the way ra- were to Hector Poche raised that for the first time as the new the, the third the third version the third chapter yep. if you will um all these fans, whether it's on the streets out here in Edmonton or in Regina, we want them to engage that barrel as much as we can. That chalice is Grey Cup ready, and no one's touched that since uh, prior to March 1st, except for myself cleaning it. And that takes six hours. That's We had a spa day two days ago to have this ready for you, and we could present that today. And th- the respect we have, say, in 93, we want to make sure that barrel, when it goes into that dress room, we have, we have fans that are that have exposed themselves by holding on to that cup and yeah. and loving and crying what we saw today those type of emotions stay with that cup and they're transferred to that chalice on game day at, on november 25th in here in edmonton at eight o'clock those boys are going to feel that that's amazing jeff mcquinney the trustee of of the great cup and i have not touched it it's within arm's length but i feel like maybe i shouldn't so i wanted to ask first i might check out some of the eskimos uh, championships well i actually think you to should break. touch it i have to say in all due respect because i love jeff and i love everything that he stands for is he's great talking about that 87 great cup he just literally rips my heart out every time recognizing that i lost to edmonton that game 38 36 when jerry cork kicked that late in the game field goal that's right so thanks jeff for that like uh, a lot of other fans that felt the need today to talk about the 89 rough rider great cup of course we went 16 and 2 here and lost to the 9 and 9 rough riders so thanks to all of you who referenced that one today so between jeff and a few fans that were excited about the riders win in 89 i'm just literally feel sad i'm gonna go to my hotel room have a little cry tonight and you know really that but it's mostly i'm mad at jeff for that uh, for that reference uh randy uh first of all jeff thanks for coming in Dwayne vino the executive director of the great cup festival thanks to coming in he, he stepped out here uh so tomorrow great cup tickets on sale at two ticketmaster.ca 780-448-ESCs will work and you can also line up at commonwealth stadium i'll be there tomorrow the cup will be there so that'll be a lot of fun randy thank you for coming in I didn't get to every listener question that we had, but thanks for answering as many as you can. And again, if you see Randy, wherever you are, and you want, he wants your feedback. So so give it to him. Yeah, stop me on the street or in the stadium and uh, or anywhere else you find me. Look, this is what's going to make the game great. And, and Reed, look, I appreciate you making time to, to, to have us on today. Look, this is what makes the CFL so great. It's, it's our opportunity to make this game bigger and stronger by spending time talking with you and, and, your, and your listeners and ultimately the fans of our great game. So thanks very much for uh, making us part of your day. We're back after the news. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.